1: I feel honored and humbled to have received the assignment from the First Presidency to speak to you precious young people today. I hope that you have an appreciation of how much the First Presidency care about you and love you. You are among the noble and great. A man arrived home from work to find a small girl sitting on the curb in front of his house crying. He asked the child if he could help, and through her sobs she told him that she was lost. He knew she shouldn't talk to strangers, but if she felt comfortable, he and his wife would help her find her home. I'm sure you must be frightened, his wife said. And the child answered, I was frightened until I saw the picture of Jesus hanging on your wall. Then I knew I would be safe. It is the same for all of us. The answer always is Jesus Christ. At times you may feel that you are sitting on the curb, lost and afraid, but if you will look to the Savior, he will guide you safely home. He is the one infallible source of help for each of us, my dear young adult friends. One of the most profound and sublime of gospel understandings is the doctrine of law. It is stated so simply in the Doctrine and Covenants. That which is governed by law is also preserved by law and perfected and sanctified by the same. By law, the Father governs us with his great plan of happiness. He sent his Son to show us the way. We learn of him. We follow him. We have faith in him. We pray in his name. Because of his enabling atonement, we can grow, repent, and do what is necessary to invite the fullness of Heavenly Father's blessings. And we do all of this by law. Within the law, each of us is fully responsible. To have it work in our lives, we must act. We must stand up from the curb and follow Him. In my sweet interactions with young people in both single and married stakes and as a mission president, I have seen how each young person must discover and then choose to walk his or her own personal path. Sometimes we are tempted to measure our progress by looking at what others are doing or have achieved. Your path is unique to you. Only you can receive heavenly guidance to pursue your path. If you choose to take detours, then you and only you can find your way back. President Eyring taught, Heavenly Father has perfect foresight. He knows each of us and knows our future, He knows what difficulties we will pass through. He sent his Son to suffer so that he would know how to succor us in our trials. Christ understands and is aware of your personal young adult decisions, your questions, hopes, dreams, and needs, the intents of your heart, and even your temptations. These key years are vitally important in your eternal life, No longer are they just preparatory years for your future. They are your future. Of course, you will continue to grow, but the now of your young adult years is foundational to your divine destiny as an heir of eternal life. The answers for you are always in Jesus Christ, as you do your part to follow him. Will you look carefully with me at Christ's own young adult years to find patterns that you may follow as you answer the whys, whats, and hows of life. How did he prepare and navigate his own path? What specific lessons did he learn? What did he need to do to achieve the fullness of his mortal experience? Let's look at four things that Christ himself did in his formative years. First, Christ learned through his own experiences. We must remember that he came to mortality as a god. In condescension, God himself came down to the lowest station in mortality, yet was full of grace and truth. He was not here to be tempted as we are, or tested. He was already God. He didn't need to learn faith. He had all power, all knowledge, and held the keys from his Father for the salvation of all of Heavenly Father's children. Yet with all that, he did not possess the fullness at first. He, God the Son, had to learn some things in mortality that he apparently could not have known otherwise. Paul tells us that he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. The Doctrine and Covenants teaches us in section 93, And I, John, saw that he received not of the fullness at the first, but received grace for grace. Until he received a fullness. And I, John, bear record, and lo, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Ghost descended upon him in the form of a dove, and sat upon him. And there came a voice out of heaven saying, This is my beloved Son. And I, John, bear record that he received a fullness of the glory of the Father. This completeness for him came after his years of preparation. At the age of thirty, as he was about to begin his ministry, these thirty years—his formative young adult years—were to teach him the things he personally needed to understand by experience. What about you? Can you identify your own learning and applying of eternal principles of the law through your own experiences? Are you filling your soul? You can become more complete men and women of Christ, especially in these stretching and learning years of today. I suspect that even in Christ's learning years, He developed through a multitude of small choices rather than just a few monumental decisions. You may not even recognize the significance of little day-to-day choices that you make today until later in life as you see the unfolding of the consequences of your choices today. I decided early that I wanted to become a physician and, because of circumstances, was able to start at the university early. I focused on completing as many pre-med courses as possible before my mission and even went to school through that summer so that I could finish the physics series. Because I had nearly completed my pre-med requirements, With permission, I took the MCAT test on a Saturday while I was in the language training mission before my mission to Mexico. As I look at it now, it seems impossible—even crazy—but that crazy yet inspired process allowed me to come home, apply, and be ready to start medical school just weeks after my sweetheart Marcia and I were married. I was 22. I couldn't foresee the future. But a step at a time, it unfolded and felt right. More important than our secular details, which can be measured, things were happening inside of me and inside of us as a couple. We were blessed with two sons while in medical school and three more sons during my residency. We paid our meager tithing, as you do, and learned to contribute fast offerings. We read scriptures daily, prayed, and attended the temple, as you do. We accepted callings and served others, even when seemingly inconvenient. This wonderful process of learning, applying, and becoming was happening for us. We were experiencing what we personally needed to know and understand and could not learn any other way. Second, Christ grew. In the very few verses of Scripture that we have describing Christ's young adult years, we learn about the patterns of his learning process. He, quote, increased in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and man. He waxed strong. While growing up with his brethren, end quote, he learned and applied the very celestial attributes he later taught. He was always perfect, but surely his young adult growing years were not easy, Did his siblings even like him? Did they understand him? What was daily life like? Did he get sick? Did he want to heal them when they got sick? In Christ's later life he taught, likely reflecting upon his own experience, that a prophet has honor except in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. His was not a test of faith but a test of constant perfection and with complete knowledge and power within an imperfect world. Waxing strong must have included for him as it does for us, perfecting those very attributes that he exemplified. Please note that your growth is not defined by external circumstances or appearance. Your growth is personal and comes from within. You are defined by how you discover your own path and then overcome all of the obstacles that seem to make it hard to progress. Elder Neal A. Maxwell often taught about our, quote, customized curriculum, end quote, that which we personally need to learn and experience. I remember during those difficult years of medical training, working more than 100 hours a week at the hospital, trying to support a little family and serving in heavy Church assignments—hearing Elder Boyd K. Packer talk about the quote, "...packages of provisions," end quote, provided personally for us at critical times along the way. The Father knows our needs and knows our future. He sends us the sustaining blessings just as we need them, but in our experience only when we are doing our best. Increasing in wisdom, stature, and favor requires our moral agency and action. I asked our children—former BYU students—to share key lessons they had learned here. One said, I had to decide what was important and do it, even when it was hard. In the university stake in which I most recently served, we saw these same lessons unfold in the lives of precious young married students who were seeking high educational goals, even when it seemed impossible, beginning a family, even when desperately poor, humbly serving the Lord, especially when it was hard. Hard has always been part of the formula. Hard seems to be required for growth. The Savior learned and suffered through deep, personal, searing contradictions and indignities, which he humbly allowed. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, for in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor us that are tempted. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. In Joseph Smith's deepest learning experience in the Liberty Jail, The Savior taught him that he needed to learn by his own experience the attributes that he, the Savior, had perfected. Perhaps these very attributes represent the fullness that we are all seeking to attain. He enumerated them—patience, gentleness, kindness, meekness, persuasion, love unfeigned, and long-suffering— not only suffering the contradictions and indignities of life, but humbly allowing them. The prophet Lehi foresaw the Savior in that indignity and suffering, and the world, because of their iniquity, shall judge him to be a thing of naught. Wherefore, they scourge him, and he suffereth it, and they smite him, and he suffereth it. Yea, they spit upon him, and he suffereth it because of his loving-kindness and his long-suffering towards the children of men. You, too, must learn and apply these celestial attributes as he did. Sometimes they may seem to be forced upon you, but you cannot learn the fullness without them. Third, Christ waited upon the Lord for the time of his ministry to come. End quote. Did his waiting mean inaction or just playing the equivalent of video games while waiting for circumstances to come together to make it easy to begin his ministry? At age 12, he urgently said to his mother, after teaching the elders in the temple for three days, I must be about my father's business. Then he was required to be patient and wait another 18 years to begin his critical mortal ministry. Surely this was a difficult, stretching time, as he experienced the infirmities that are common to us all. Throughout this learning process, he was tutored by the Spirit. Isaiah taught, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. End quote. Christ did nothing but the will of his Father. He waited for his Father's will and then fulfilled it perfectly. And Jesus himself began to be about thirty years of age, having lived with his Father. And after many years, the hour of his ministry drew nigh. May I share with you a time of waiting upon the Lord in our family. We asked our teenage children to be home By 9.30 on a Saturday night, there would be an envelope waiting. One of the children read aloud over the signature of the First Presidency, a mission call for our family. Suddenly, everything changed. The football team, the dance company, violin and piano lessons, lawn jobs, friends and dreams. There were tears. We went from room to room that night, wiping brows and rubbing backs. In our 17-year-old son's room— We found him ramrod straight on the edge of his bed looking across to his bulletin board where there were pictures of his football team, his brother on a mission, his family, the prophet, and a picture of Jesus Christ. By morning all eyes were dry and we sang sitting on the second row in sacrament meeting, I'll go where and when and how and why you want me to go, dear Lord. We waited to find out where that would be. We waited as we put our lives in order, shifted vision, adjusted expectations, and squared our shoulders. We waited and watched through each new step, through the living of it, and through what was hard and what was wonderful, until years later each child in his or her own way said, Everything that is good in our lives is because we served. We each come to learn our Heavenly Father's will for us, but the Lord's timing is not always our timing, yet His way is always good. All things work together for good in them that love God. If there was great purpose in Christ's waiting upon the Lord during His young years, there must be a vital need for you also. Faithful, patient waiting implies that we strive daily to do the little things, daily scriptures no matter our schedules, daily prayers with hearts drawn out always, daily worthiness for the companionship of the Holy Ghost, and daily diligence to keep our environment fit for the Spirit. Are you waiting for some external circumstance to compel you to action? Are you waiting to be perfectly assured of the end before you dare to begin? Are you waiting upon the Lord or sometimes just waiting until you graduate or marry or begin a family or qualify for life's work before you fully commit? When does your ministry begin? Is it now? Don't you think that waiting upon the Lord meant for him exactly what it means for you? Doing what still needs to be done to wax strong, to increase, to grow, to prepare every day to be ready for the next choice or learning experience. Young adult years can seem to be all about you. Rightly, you are focused on your education, hopes, dreams, and goals. You have responsibilities and important things to do. But when everything threatens to revolve around you and only what you want, when, how, and with whom, then it's time to consider a caution. President Eyring said in his recent address at the Colloquium on the Family at the Vatican that the rude problem in families and in marriages is selfishness. You must learn now, my dear young friends, to become unselfish so that you can be happy in marriage and family and life. As you genuinely serve others now, you will be more able to give of yourself eternally to your spouse and to your children. Brothers and sisters, be sure that the timing of your willingness to enter into marriage is not affected by any degree of selfishness. As you learn to look outside yourself, you open unending possibilities of joy and happiness and you will come to know even more personally your Heavenly Father's gifts to you. Fourth, Christ made covenants and received ordinances. Like each of us, Christ began with baptism and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. The ordinances are the greatest eternal privilege that the Lord has made available to us in mortality. Accompanying covenants allow access to the full blessings of the Father, who is bound by eternal law to keep his promises to his faithful children. It is his work and glory and that of his Son to prepare us for the fullness of his blessings. But by law, he can only bless us after we have made covenants with him and are faithfully keeping them. Even the blessings of the Atonement can only come freely after we have made covenants at baptism, continually apply them in our daily lives and renew them at the sacrament table regularly. And Then are ye sanctified in Christ, by the grace of God, through the shedding of the blood of Christ, which is in the covenant of the Father, unto the remission of your sins, that ye become holy without spot. The temple is where we participate in the covenants and ordinances that extend beyond this mortality and endure throughout all eternity. There we are invited to proceed forward in progressive covenants to help us to prepare for the highest blessings Heavenly Father has to offer. In the ordinances, the power of godliness is manifest. Only in the temple can we make eternal covenants that embody truth, understanding, purpose, spirit, power, and meaning, and which teach us who we are and who we can become. In March 1844, the Prophet Joseph Smith met with the Twelve and taught, We need the temple more than anything else. End quote. Young friends, you need the temple. You need the temple perhaps more now than at any other time in your mortal life. Elder John A. Widtsoe said, Temple work is of as much benefit to the young and the active as it is to the aged, who have laid behind them many of the burdens of life. The young man needs his place in the temple, even more than his father and his grandfather, who are steadied by a life of experience. And the young girl just entering life needs the spirit, influence, and direction that come from participation in the temple ordinances." Quote. I had the privilege recently of being with an apostle of God. As he gathered his large family around a ceiling altar during a temple open house, he told his dear ones that everything we do in the Church is to prepare them to come to the altars in the temple someday. A son recently shared with me how important the temple was to him when he was a single student making weighty decisions. I felt it among young couples who hardly a dollar passed needing assistance themselves, faithfully contributed tithing fast offerings, and even to the Perpetual Education Fund. I saw it again as I met with the ordinance workers from the Provo Temple recently in their annual devotional and was brought to tears as I asked workers who were under thirty years of age to stand. Fully one-fourth of the congregation stood. More than 900 young endowed brothers and sisters are serving. Every one of you can hold a current Temple Recommend. Either a limited-use recommend or a full recommend, your bishop is there to guide you and help you to qualify yourself. Holding a recommend, you can use it regularly and frequently. You only make and receive covenants and ordinances for yourself one time. But each time you return to the temple as proxy for others, your own blessings and promises are renewed. Your bishop is the key as you consider when it is right for you to receive your own endowment. Counsel with him. He will know the recent direction of the First Presidency regarding the appropriate circumstances for you, especially you sisters who desire to go to the temple. As you and your bishop counsel together, and as the Spirit confirms that you are ready to receive this great blessing for all of the right reasons, you may do so. You are blessed to have a very busy temple here and other temples nearby. You know that going to the temple involves a plan, a little sacrifice, and even some opposition. Sometimes the baptistry is crowded or the sessions full. You might have to wait longer than you hoped, but the spiritual power, revelatory help, and inspired insights will come, no matter the details of your temple worship. Don't stay away because it may take longer. Come to the temple for the living water. Do your very best, and the Lord will honor your efforts. Hold a recommend, my dear young friends, and do the best you can to use it regularly and frequently. Then watch for the blessings. Brothers and sisters, we have looked to Christ for guidance in your young adult years. We have seen that in his young years he learned, he increased, he waited upon the Lord, He made covenants and received ordinances. You, too, can learn through experiences on your own personal path. You, too, can increase with consistent directional movement forward, finding happiness all along the way. You, too, can wait upon the Lord, acting with energy and faith, doing the very best you can as you watch for His timing and His ways. You, too, can make covenants and receive ordinances Faithfully keep them, renew them, and watch for their promised blessings. Eternal law declares that you and I must do our part to be ready to receive all that Heavenly Father intends for us to have. Dear friends, as you follow this pattern from Christ's own young years, you will be blessed and come to live and love the Christ-like attributes that He exemplified. The Father sent His Son to show us and to teach us. He is the one reliable source and it will give infallible help if you will receive it now in your young adult years. At times you may feel that you are sitting on the curbs of life, lost and afraid, but if you will look to the Savior, he will guide you safely home. Let us lay aside every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. My witness to you today, dear friends, is that in all of your circumstances, the answer is in Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.
0: You've been listening to the Jesus Christ, Our Savior and Redeemer podcast, presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts of recent speeches, classic speeches, and BYU Speeches compilations on overcoming adversity by study and by faith. Come follow me, love and marriage, and the prophet Joseph Smith. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on podcasts for more information.